Welcome to Black and Gold Weekly presented by BetSafe Colorado. We come to you every week right here on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. And uh, uh, what a show we have in store. Looking forward to hooking up with the offensive coordinator for the Colorado Buffalo, Sean Lewis. That'll happen a little bit later in the show. But, uh, you know, I had some thoughts this week as we're just days now ahead of game one with all the excitement that's taken place leading up to this game. Uh, I couldn't, I, I got to tell you this, my excitement level is off the charts, but you know, it's been a drumbeat of anticipation starting with the hire of coach prime back in December. And uh, as the recruiting class sort of unfolded, we were getting uh, a lot of attention around these parts uh, with respect to the talent that he was bringing in a little bit of controversial uh, controversy with respect to the, uh, uh, to the turnover of the roster that was tough to deal with. I'll never forget the spring game and the mixed emotions I had right around that time as on one, on one hand, as I entered that stadium on the day of the spring game and it was packed, it was a bad weather day in the spring here in Colorado. And it was a nationally televised spring game. I played on national championship teams here at CU. Never did I see a spring game garner so much attention. It was unique. And then shortly after the game, I think the day after, it was, uh, it was a day in which we learned that a number of players who we had cheered on uh, in, in years past, in recent years past, would no longer be part of the roster. So it's been a lot of ups and downs, roller coasters, a roller coaster ride emotionally for a lot of Buffs fans. Uh, be that as it may, here we are on the doorsteps of game one of the coach Dion prime time Sanders uh, regime or tenure here at CU at, at the helm. And again, I couldn't be more excited. And so I began to think about some of the comparisons as I've had a chance as close as I could be to the program today, some of the compare the comparisons uh, to when coach Bill McCartney was building uh, what ultimately turned out to be a championship caliber team back in the late, in the mid eighties through the uh, early nineties. Uh, and I see some similarities and I don't want to get ahead of my skis on this and, uh, you know, start talking to, um, you know, just going over the top with the comparisons, but I do see some of the seeds being planted, starting with the um, the level of talent that's being recruited to this program. Uh, I, I, you know, it's been years since I can say that um, I've seen this degree of talent, maybe going back to the Daniel Graham days, uh, late nineties, uh, perhaps there was a, a period um, shortly thereafter in the early 2000s when uh, CU had, had some outstanding recruiting classes. But it's been a while since we've seen this level of talent uh, down the black and gold. And so that's one of the comparisons that I immediately bring to bear. I also see the comparison in, in coaches and coaching styles to some degree. Now, many of you may say, well, Prime, Coach Prime couldn't be more different, if you will, than Bill McCartney. Uh, I think that's short-sighted. If you really look at who these men are in their core, there are a lot of similarities there. Um, could be off, off-putting to a number of people uh, because they are very focused, narrowly focused on what they see as the lane in which this program needs to be in order to be successful. Uh, I, I see a number of similarities in that regard. I also see a similarity, and, I, and we'll see how this plays out over time, where uh, it's going to take some time. If you think about Coach Max. 
uh, tenure here at CU, it started slow. I think it was year three or four before he had his first winning season. No, I'm not suggesting that that's the case now. Given the rules in college athletics, you can flip and turn a schedule or uh, um, a roster over a lot faster than you could, you know, 35, 40 years ago. But I do, I do caution to some degree fans who, uh, and I've heard, I'm hearing people make predictions that uh, they see a, an eight, nine, 10 win season. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, uh, I, I can't even imagine that being the case. Wishful, hopeful, absolutely. But if you look at this schedule and you look at the, the, the distance this team has traveled in such a short period of time, I think that's, uh, that's overstating uh, what uh, the most optimistic prediction should be. Um, but be that as it may, I think it's going to take time, but I think we'll see it turn as it relates to the record of this team sooner or quicker than it did again, 40 years ago with, with coach Bill McCartney. But I do see some similarities. I like the leadership at the, the quarterback position. That's always a stabilizing force watching Shadur Sanders uh, sort of, you know, not just his play on the field, but the command and the respect that he has of his teammates has been uh, something that that's been reassuring to me, uh, particularly when you're looking at so many new pieces to the puzzle coming together to make this team that's going to take the field against TCU. I have to remind you, a TCU team that played for the national championship a year ago. I know they've lost a lot of their firepower, a lot of their top talent now playing in the NFL are no longer eligible to play at TCU, but it's still a program that uh, has a locker room full of young men who've experienced and tasted that success. Uh, whereas in the other locker room, it's a bunch of new pieces trying to come together for the first time uh, to make a statement. So we'll see how that unfolds, but I couldn't be more excited about this team. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak just briefly with coach prime last week uh, about his sort of inner thoughts about where his team is right now. Now you've heard him talk, you know, that he's the eternal optimist and uh, there's not a negative thought in his mind or in his head about his program. But I think there is a bit of sobriety there with respect to, you know, it's, it's all new. And, and uh, regardless of all the days that he's been around again, being hired and hired in December, I think he'll learn more about his team and the two and a half, three hours that it takes to play this game this upcoming Saturday down in Fort Worth, Texas, than he has in all the days that led up or that will lead up to the game. So there's a lot to uh, to anticipate, a lot to be excited about. I can barely contain my excitement uh, as we are um, poised to get this thing kicked off. I can't wait to see it. Some young, great talent on this team. But how does it all come together day one? How does it all come together game one in jail? Um, I got a feeling that uh, we'll be pleasantly surprised, but time will tell. We didn't start this thing off like um, a lot of teams do across the country with a, you know, uh, a cupcake here or, you know, a directional school there. We're talking about TCU, one of the top programs, a top 20 team this year uh, and one of the top uh, programs in the country uh, a year ago. And if you think about it, I think it was TCU. And this gives me some hope, some optimism as well. When they came to Boulder last year, uh, which was the first game of a home and home, I remember being at that game and the first half of that game was tightly contested. Don't remember exactly what the score was, but it was a competitive game. TCU came into Boulder. I think, I think they were predicted to finish, if not last, certainly near the bottom of the Big 12 conference. You see how that season unfolded. That's how quick it could turn in college football. 
And that's the optimism in which I'm approaching this season. So all the talk is just about over this upcoming Saturday at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, in extremely tough weather conditions. The Buffs will take the field and we'll get to see for the first time the CU Buffs under the leadership of Coach Prime. Couldn't be more excited about it. Black and Gold Weekly is presented by Bet Save Colorado. Um, we're going to head up to Boulder right now and hook up with the offensive coordinator for your Colorado Buffaloes, Coach Sean Lewis, also known as the auctioneer. Coach, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, before we get started, and, and uh, for some, I would imagine this is an introduction to you uh, as you've been hard at work getting this offense and this team ready for uh, game one coming up in just a couple of days down in hot Dallas, Texas against TCU. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been at uh, luncheons and at practice, and I understand where the the nickname, the auctioneer sort of came about. You might want to explain to uh, the fan base here, how'd you get that nickname? Yeah, so coach dubbed me the auctioneer because obviously we're going to play fast. I think fast. And when I get to going, I, you know, I think time's very precious. So I start talking really fast. So I'm going to try and be methodical, but I'm going to start getting passionate because I know we're going to talk about things that I love. And I think it's that Chicago in me as well. You know, we, we can't be outside very long in the winter in Chicago. So we just talk quick and we get to moving and we get on with what we need to do. Well, I'm, I'm a Detroiter, so I understand exactly what you're talking about there. So my job is to see if I can speed you up, get you enthusiastic and excited <laughs> so that uh, we can we can run this back and, and slow it down, put it on, on 33 from 78 so that people can understand exactly what you're talking about. Coach, let's get right to it. You're a guy, like I mentioned, I'm from Detroit, so I'm from that neck of the woods, right? I'm, I know what that MAC conference was about, some real good football. You were the head coach at Kent State before taking a job here. Talk about what that transition has been has been like for you and again leaving a head coaching job to come take the OC job here at CU once coach prime was named head coach talk about that transition how it all came to be yeah I, you know when when the opportunities are kind of like coaching carousel starts spinning you know been very fortunate with the work that the kids and the staff did at Kent State for the past few years really ever since that 2019 season when we won the one and only bowl game in the history of Kent State you know and that Mac the Mac is unbelievable league great coaches great players we did some good things and um, lots of different opportunities had, had come and go you know said no to some things and got courted by other people to be their offensive coordinator and it wasn't the right fit for my family and I and it was really after that 2019 season my wife and I sat down because things started happening so fast and so furious that we made kind of made a list that, that was private to us right and what we were looking for as a family as our family continued to grow and what I was looking for professionally as as I was continuing to grow because at the time when I got that Kent State job shoot I was 29 I was the youngest head coach in the country you know so as I sit here today shoot you know I'm, I'm still a young pup in this game you know and and wanted to put myself in a position where I could grow and I can learn. And we challenge our kids all the time. You know, our, our two little ones that my wife and I have and all the young men that I'm fortunate to lead to get outside your comfort zone, to grow. That's where you're going to flourish. And that's where you're going to get past, you know, to the next side and, and get past the edge to get to greatness, to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, the more I talked with coach and the more that our philosophy is aligned, I knew that this was the right spot to be. And it was a really hard decision to leave Kent State and what we had built there for the past five years, but knew this was where, you know, my heart was calling and, and, and where I wanted to be and where my family needed to be and felt, you know, professionally and personally, this was the right spot at the right time for the right move to go do some great things here at Colorado. 
Coach, it's one thing to uh, make the move as you just described it. But additionally, if you if you think about not just making the move, it's not like you came into a place that was established. One in 11 a year ago, it's been tough sledding for CU. Trust me, as an old alum and, and former football player, the last several years has been tough to swallow for myself and many of my former teammates. But you also came into an environment where a roster was flipped. And so a foundation is being created and not stepping into something that that that's that you know, was established in any way, shape, or form. Talk about that as well, because I know as an offensive coordinator, oh, you're pulling the pieces in from all over the country to try and make it work in less than a year as we're right on the doorstep of game one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think we're all products of our past experiences, right? And so I drew from, as we were making this move, when I left Syracuse and I went to Kent, you know, when I took over that job, being an offensive-minded head coach and still calling the plays for the five years when I was there. I mean, shoot, Kent was 130th in the country in scoring offense. They were 131st in total offense. And by year three, we were number one in the country in both total offense and scoring offense, right? So the, the ability to have the the autonomy the coach has given me to say, all right, hey, the offense is yours. There's certain aspects of it that I want to see that align with who we are. And, and he's going to have his fingerprints all over it. But for him to say, hey, I'm empowering you to go lead the unit. That's what you're here to do. Then we roll up our sleeves and we go to work, right? And, and I think a lot has been made about the roster flip and whatever the case might be and how it's so unique. And that's all well and true. But CJ, you know from having been in it each and every single year, even when you have an established program or an established performance environment, right? There's still new pieces each and every single year. And make no mistake about it, every single year, whether it's year one here this year, right, game one, or we fast forward the video of life and it's year four, year five, that team is still its own unique entity, right? And so every single offseason, you got to roll up your sleeves the way that we did, go to work, right? Test those bonds, test those connections, test the individuals that make up this beautiful human system so that we can go collectively together and do great things. But that reset button gets hit each and every single year, which is why this is such a great, great profession to be in because those challenges, you know, it's not, a lot gets made about, hey, coach, it's year five now when you're at Kent State. Like, no, it's year one, day one of this team. And we got to start from ground zero. And it's the same thing each and every single year, which is really, really cool. You know, it's, uh, I think we're getting them warmed up, folks, because you can see the hand movement. He's swaying back and forth. Um, Coach, you talked about this offensive system. We'll get back to that in a second. Uh, as you and I both know, what really what's, what's instrumental or what's very important for a system to work are the people who are running the system, right? Uh, there's no real substitute for that. Uh, I've had a chance, as I mentioned before, to check out some of the, uh, the scrimmages and practices on an occasion. What I see, and, and I want you to tell me whether or not my eyes are telling me the, the truth. What I see is uh, different from the recent past, at least. I see some offensive explosion. Guys who can catch it or get it and go. First of all, on the perimeter. Second of all, I see a quarterback that's extremely steady and Shador Sanders, um, poised, uh, feel like it feels like he has a command of what's happening on the field. Uh, and as a result, uh, I think settles that offense. Tell me if I got that right, coach, and how excited are you about those skill position players who, are, who, who I've seen catch it and, and can hit it? Yeah, I think you're spot on with all of it, truly, right? Uh, we, we tell the guys all the time, and, you know, as an offensive unit, I, I tell them that players make plays, 
right? I, I can grab any marker in the building and go on any board in the building here and draw up any X's and O's. But at the end of the day, it's the players that make those plays come to life. And we're very, very fortunate with the hard work that everyone in this building has done, including the players, most importantly, the players, right, to where they're able to execute the calls. And it's just our job to really get them in the best position to understand how to think fast, know fast, do fast, so that they can then go thrive and show their skill set as they go. So, yeah, we got some offensive skill that when we get that speed in space, they have some home run ability. You know, Shador has a, a, a really, really strong mental capacity. So I can really overload him and put a lot on his plate and he can get us into the right positions, make the right checks, you know, because in the moment, as you well know, right, like no one's got a better view of what's going on than the quarterback in the moment. And I get the luxury to sit back and grab the clicker and the laser pointer and hold the cowboy and and do that and pause and play and all those sorts of things on Sundays, right? But in the moment, the quarterback has the best vision to see, hey, odds and intentions of what's going on, what's going to happen, get us into the right check and the right you know situation, the right play, so that those players can thrive. And make no mistake about it, right? All the all the skinny butts, all the skills, all those guys are going to get the headlines, but none of it happens without those big boys up front. So I got to get them some love too because we can't go without them. And in fact, Coach, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly where I was going next. The big guys up front. As an old quarterback, I'd be remiss not to. I should have started with those guys because that's where it all starts. <laughs> but um, you know, there's been a there's been some talk around. Perhaps that might be an Achilles heel for this offense. Um, we don't know because we haven't seen it. Right? It hadn't been out on display. But I like to get your honest sort of assessment of where you are up front, and is that something that fans perhaps might be fair and having a little bit of concern about? I think until you get into it each and every single year, right? That's such a unique group because again, it's not necessarily who are the five best individuals up front there. It's who are the five guys that play best together so that they work in cohesion with one another, right? And so we've been mixing and matching those guys that are up front. We've settled in, obviously, on a unit that we think sees the game through the same set of eyes. And again, with the work that those kids have put in, the camaraderie that they have built up front and the way that they're playing together, I feel really good about that unit. Obviously, the the coach that's leading them, Bill O'Boyle, I think is one of the best in the country. And he's been with me now for the past five years and does an unbelievable job developing those guys. And the strides that they have taken from the moment that – Spring ball has ended through the summer and their physical and mental development. And then the work that they've put in this training camp, you know, they've taken tremendous strides and and I feel good about where we're at. And again, now we got to put them in the best position to highlight their skill sets as they go, right? Whether that's in the gapping unit schemes, our zone schemes, inside, outside, all the different things, right? They're, They're each one of those units every single year is going to have a unique skill set about them to where they can come off the ball, have a demeanor, and establish their personality, right, and make their impact on the game. Coach, I've talked about some of the impressive skill position players. Edwards, I saw him catch one or hand, you know, grab, take the hand off and take it to the house. Horn Jr. is a guy who really excites. I mean, I, I, I'm like, wow, this guy he has some suddenness about him that I think uh, fans are going to really be attracted to. But there's one kid in particular that I'm, I was wowed by. I, I'm watching a, a practice or, or, or a scrimmage, uh, and he's on defense. Number 12's on defense with a different color jersey on. Uh, the receiver runs a dig route. He beats the, the the receiver to the ball, breaks it up. Two plays later, I think it was, he's catching a over-the-shoulder bomb from Shador and made an impossible catch. And I had to kind of check myself to say, is that the same guy? It was indeed the same guy 
my question to you, how special is Travis Hunter one and how much will we get to see his skill set displayed on the offensive side of the ball, given the fact that everyone's talking about how great he is as a cornerback? Yeah, I mean, Travis is great and whatever he decides to be great. And the, the good Lord blessed him with a tremendous set of skills, which is one thing, right? But I think talent at time can be cheap, right? That's God given. But I think what Travis has done is developed his skill set. And again, his mental capacity for what he's been able to do, jumping on both sides of the ball, knowing all the defensive calls, the checks, the adjustments, right? And then coming over and understanding all things that we're looking to get done with our checks, our adjustments, our sights, our trades, our shifts, our motions, right? All those things. Um, he, he can handle a lot. So we're going to put a lot on his plate. He loves playing the game, right? He, he's a football player at heart, and football players want a football, and he's one of those guys, right? So, you know, tremendous ball skills. I mean, just unbelievable work ethic. His work capacity, his conditioning, his stamina is unlike anything I've ever seen, you know. So, again, as long as he can handle it, and, and when I look him in the eyes, he says he's good to go, I believe him, and, and we're going to go to work. You know, it's uh, he's a he's a endearing young man to be around as well. When you have a guy who, who's that talented, who gets as much time and attention from the press and others as he does, sometimes it can be natural to shell up. But I've never seen, um, or let me just say, it's not it's rare to see a kid with all of that uh, sort of external notoriety and pressure, but just seems to love being in the space that he's in and and. You know, sometimes we forget these young men are 19 or 20 years old. He's every bit of that when I'm around him, when he's not on the football field. That has to be uh, infectious and something that permeates that uh, that locker room. Yeah, you know, he's got some great self-awareness, right? He knows who he is. And, yeah, he's got a very just genuine spirit about who he is and what he is. And, you know, he goes about it the right way. Coach, last one for you. You know, it, it has to be. Because he is one of one in so many ways, it has to be an experience in and of itself. Being in the environment in which your boss happens to be one of the biggest celebrities and around as well. And so uh, there's no day I would imagine that's normal or like something you've experienced in the past. When it's your job to get an offensive unit prepared to go out and play with all that's going on and, uh, and all, that's, uh, all the excitement around the program, What's that been like for Coach Sean Lewis? I mean, it, it was an adjustment early on, just all the things you said, right? Like, you, you kind of think you know, but you have no idea, right? And, and, and you don't know what you don't know until you're in it, until you experience it, right? And, and so, luckily, I think what's great about this game, right, it, it teaches us things that we can carry over to life, right? And so, one of the things that Coach Alvarez and Coach Chris, two great coaches that I played for, always preach and always talk about and something that I talk to our unit about a ton is control what you can control. Right. And so there's all this stuff that's happening. And I, and I think back to the spring game, right. It was a huge event. Everything was going on, but there was the, the product on the field to me in that moment was going to be the most important thing. So I'm dotting my eyes, I'm crossing my T's with the call sheet and what we're going to do for the spring game. Uh, and the Friday before, right. So it's Friday afternoon. And like I am right now, I, I go into my office and I close the door so I can have my space control my environment to get my work done. And when I came back out and I had opened the door, there's like this buzz in the building. And I'm like, uh, what I miss? Like call sheets ready. We're good to go. But what I miss, like you could tell that something had happened. And what I missed was Rick Ross came through. And I had no <laughs> idea that Rick Ross came through because I was just, right, like controlling what I could control. 
right? How, how can I control my response for what needs to get done? And I had to finalize the call sheet. And so I missed my chance to meet Ricky Rose. Hopefully he'll come back through and I can say what's up to him. Right. But again, like that's just, you just learn, right. You, you learn the environment that you're in, you learn the situation that you're in. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I stay focused on, okay, what's the outcome that we need to achieve at the end of the day, you know, I got to make sure that I'm pouring into these young men that I'm servicing our staff the right way, giving them what they need to do their jobs and to be successful and that we have undeniable results in between those white lines. Right. So then I got to choose to act with discipline no matter what's happening with coach. Coach is controlling that. Coach has empowered me to lead these young men, our staff, and the offense. So I'm going I'm to focus on that. But it is an environment that is one of one and uh, it's been quite an experience. And I'm sure more experiences are coming down the pipe as we start this season. Yes, indeed. And speaking of Ricky Rose, I had a chance to catch him in concert last night right here at Ball <laughs> Arena. And uh, there's a rumor that. There's a Drake concert the day before the Nebraska game, so you just never know what might happen up at Folsom. Absolutely. How about that? <laughs> Coach, uh, we really appreciate it. Just to show you what, before I let you go, what a, what a buff I am, I'll be out there 105 degrees in, at TCU in uh, uh, Fort, Fort where, where the hell is this game? And, and, and somewhere in Texas near Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so uh, I'll be out there rooting you on, man. And let's get one for the, uh, for the old buff faithful. Absolutely. Right. And let's control what we can control. So what now? Well, let's go get after it. Love that. Good luck, coach. Thanks. Appreciate you. Black and Gold Weekly is presented by Bet Safe Colorado. You know, I've had a chance to reflect on uh, what I anticipate as I am preparing to go down to Fort Worth, Texas for game one, CU versus TCU. Uh, and as we get closer to that day, uh, my, my emotions began to sort of fester up a little bit. And I've had a chance to sort of think about uh, what this experience and, and I'm not generally or normally a, a guy who gets, um, uh, you know, emotional about things like this or, you know, o- over excited. You know, I, t- I tend to be understated and, uh, you know, the experience will unfold as it will. But this is a little different. I have to be honest with you for a number of reasons. I feel like I have a, a vested stake in the outcome, not just of this game, but of this experiment, uh, this this new coaching regime under Coach Prime. Uh, and every moment leading up to it, uh, we've seen how exciting and how it's unfolded. Uh, and now we finally get a chance to see the game played on the field, all the recruiting uh, after the hire, all of the the, the practices and uh, the description of some of those outstanding players that were highly recruited across the country, being one of the top schools to recruit out of the portal. How does it all come together now and what will it mean this upcoming Saturday when it counts most uh, in an environment that, and trust me, I've been checking the weather forecast as well. I think the uh, the coolest I've seen it at, what, 11 o'clock at kickoff, that's 10 o'clock here local, um, is about 100 degrees. I've seen the, uh, you know, the forecast even tip the mercury up to 105 degrees. And so that's part of this as well. All everything counts when you're talking about an opening opening game with a, a completely new roster and a completely new coaching staff, and um, I'm anticipating every step of it. I'm thinking about flying into Fort Worth and and taking in the environment when I get to that stadium. Uh, the amazing thing about Coach Deion Sanders, the impact that he has not just on 
the home crowd at Folsom Field. But I guarantee you there will be fans at that game who are coming to see him even though the game is on the road. And we'll see that throughout the course of this year. He is himself in a lot of ways the show, part of the spectacle, part of the the, the pageantry of of what is college football now and his unique approach to – to, to how he coaches. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to taking it, taking it all in um, and then kickoff, right? What's it feel like down on the sideline, kind of getting a feel from each of those players as, as they are as buffs doing this for the first time, the vast majority of them uh, just kind of taking all that in. And as a former player, having walked down that road before, uh, wanting so desperately for these young men, as I have for every class that's come through CU over the past, you know, 30, 30 or so years since I've played football here. I want so desperately for them to uh, experience the success, some of the success we experienced at CU, CU Buffs back in the day. There's nothing quite like it. And it all starts this Saturday in Fort Worth, Texas against TCU. And I can't wait I'm a little beside myself. You can tell I'm a little fidgety. I can't stand still. You know, I'm normally, like I said, a, a fairly poised guy who just sits back and relaxes and watches it unfold. I can't. And my guess is you can't either. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll experience this together as uh, we prepare for this upcoming season, this upcoming game. It's going down. Uh, uh, listen, I, I, I'm just excited. I, I don't know that there's much more to say about that. Um, next week. We'll do it all over again, and we'll have another special guest that'll come on and give us greater insight. In fact, I think next week guest next next week's guest is uh, the lead broad on the lead broadcast team who will be calling the game not just this Saturday against TCU, but next Saturday against Nebraska. My old pal, my old radio partner and former CU great Joel Clatt will be joining us. So. Prepare for that, but uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about, obviously, as we break this game down next week. Don't forget to tune in. We come to you every week. Uh, and again, it's uh, all presented by um, by BetSafe Colorado. It's Black and Gold Weekly, presented by BetSafe Colorado. We'll see you next week. <music> 